You're listening to Mike and Kristen. The podcast. I'm Mike, a musician, writer, and producer. And I'm Kristen, a painter, writer, and designer. Our show is all about following dreams, taking chances, and what life as an artist is really about. Together, we bring you weekly guest interviews and thought-provoking conversations. Let's go! It is episode 49 of Mike and Kristen. Yeah. Do you think we have good radio voices now? Not too bad. Do you think your voice has improved or changed since we've been podcasting? Uh, no. no? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the the tonal characteristics of my voice will change until I'm like 70. Is that something that you can be taught to do? Like, would they teach you that at radio school? Yeah, you can you can like pronounce things a different way and kind of enunciate a little bit better, but I don't think like like the classic radio voice with the deep low voice yeah, like that's what I'm thinking. Not like some people can you can lower your voice maybe a little bit, but I think the people who are good at that just naturally have a voice that sounds like that. Yeah. Tony Ronalds has an excellent radio voice. He does, yeah. Good. He's wanting to get into reading kids books. He should. He posted a video of himself reading yeah. a kid's book a couple of weeks ago, and yeah, he's got my vote. I'd buy the kid's book. I think I would read kid's books if we don't have a kid, but... Uh, We'd read them to George, yeah. or Tony would read them to George. Our cat. Yeah. Yes, George the cat. We've got a fun episode coming up right here. I loved this episode. This was such a fun hangout with these guys. They are... Very, I don't want to say very different, but they're different than a lot of the the guests we had on. Um, we had, I think we we were joking around. We we've had three naturopaths on so far, and after the episode, we said that Rudy and TJ are basically the opposite of a naturopath. We like to balance things out. <laughs> yeah, give all perspectives. <laughs> yeah, we're representational of uh, all walks of life, and yeah, they were just uh, really. F- open and honest and themselves you can tell these guys are just who they are wherever they show up so and we talked about this on the episode how they kind of live their life in lots of ways that they show up on stage which i thought was so cool yeah their band electric spoonful is just one loud recording of the year music nova scotia and I don't know what they self-describe their music as. It's it's heavy. It's I don't know if they say metal or not or punk, but it's kind of floating between those genres. Yeah, I should have asked them that, actually, because I was curious about that even writing up the show notes. I didn't want to misdescribe them, but they're in that vein. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're a lot of fun, and they. You're not going to go to sit and play crazy eights at one of their shows. Yeah, you're you're getting in a mosh pit, and you're just having a hell of a time. And they will be in the mosh pit with you. Yeah, yeah. Like, it sounds like they probably have had some broken bones over the years just from going to work. Yeah, Rudy, the singer, he gets right in there, and <laughs> as he says in the episode, lets people just take advantage of him, basically. Well, I'm stoked to go to one of their shows i can't wait i know they have a couple coming up and and we yeah. talk about that too but we'll be there yeah it'll be a pile of fun i'm, I'm really excited to go to spoonapalooza spoonapalooza such a great name what are yeah. you gonna wear just what i always wear i was thinking like 
Maybe we should wear something puffy with padding. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if we'll get right in the mosh pit or we'll um, just kind of, kind of be on the we back like to watching. Participate. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I'm too old to get in a mosh pit now. Yeah, I feel like I'm too shy. But we'll see. Yeah. I, I'm I'm geared up for this. Guess, yeah, it's not. I'm sure there's lots of people who are 40 who get in a mosh pit. I just, you know, I'm self conscious. Let us know like, if you're 40 and still mosh pitting. Yeah, moshing. What's the name moshing. for that? Moshing. Yeah. yeah. Did you ever go in a mosh pit? Like, oh when yeah, you were 20 we used or? to have them at teen dances. Okay. Growing up, we'd we'd have mosh pits and. Yeah. Never. I really... wasn't one of the better moshers. I, I went to the Rainbow Butt Monkeys concert. With my mother at that, <laughs> and that was one of the biggest mosh pits I've ever oh, seen. Oh yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think I could name off one of their songs right now. No, nor could I. But I remember being there. They were your '90s jam, huh? Well, they were opening for Bon Jovi. Oh, so. that's random. <laughs> Very <laughs> random concert. <laughs> Be like having Sarah McLaughlin open for Electric Spoonful, but vice versa, you know. Yeah. Anywho. Well, what else we got on the go? We have a really exciting giveaway that we've yeah, announced. Yeah, that's out right now. So you can enter that giveaway on either Instagram or Facebook. And I actually had to write down the list of the things that are included in our prize pack that I can read off. Uh, might as well. Might as Tell well. everyone what you can get. So if you find us on Mike and Kristen on, online, then you will be entered to win a prize pack that's roughly over $600 and... We're going to close that contest on Friday, so the 24th, like at midnight. And here's a list of what you can win. So we've got a Blue Yeti USB microphone. So if you want to start your own podcast, this is a great tool for that. Yeah, it's worth a couple hundred bucks, isn't it? Yeah, to... yeah. I've got uh, a signed copy of our book, You and Me. So we'll, we'll personalize it for you. We have a You and Me t-shirt that you'll get. We've got three of the Town Hero CDs plus your vinyl. So we get a couple vinyl there. We've got Mike's solo album to throw in. You're going to get one of my original paintings. Or if you're not interested in the painting, I'm going to offer you a $200 gift card. Maybe you want to put that towards a custom piece or some merch. I'll let you decide. Plus, the last thing that we have I think is really cool. It's $100 towards a good or a service from any of our previous podcast guests. So that could be money towards a photo session with one of our photographers we've had on. We've had a life coach that you can put that towards. Concert tickets, maybe. Yeah, you could um, go to a, a show, a band a show. show, and buy a CD and T-shirt. Exactly. And so whatever you want to put that 100 bucks towards, we thought that would be a good way to float, support. Float Center. Float Center's in there with Lindsay. Yeah, yeah. exactly. So there's a good variety. It, we're going to keep it local. We're going to support the guests we've had on here. So, uh Okay, so do you want to tell them what we're asking them to do to qualify to win? Well, it's pretty simple when you really think about it. It's So our podcast, which you're listening to right now, is available on multiple different uh, platforms. And we're just looking for you to rate and review our podcast. And so like on Apple Podcasts, you can go in, you can give us a five-star rating and just say say what it means to you. And we just want to get uh, we just want to get some new people following, and for you to just kind of share this out there. So you get entered into by uh, rating, reviewing, and you get a bonus entry if you go onto Amazon and review our book, You and Me. 
You got it. So, yeah, you can get two entries essentially into it so you can up your chances of winning. And it is a pretty good prize. Pretty good prize. I'd enter. I, I would enter if we, uh, if, if I was on the outside listening in, I'd be like, holy shit, that's a good prize. And if you've already done all these things for us, because we have such amazing people in our life that have already reviewed and subscribed to the podcast and, and our book as well, then you still qualify. So please, you're, you, you count. Enter. Yeah, we're not, uh, we're not going to say go and specifically look for what people have said or if they reviewed. We're just going to trust that you did it and we believe you because you're good people. If you're listening to this, you're an awesome person. Yeah, it's on the honor system. But uh, we might ask you to send us your review just so we can share it. If, yeah. But, uh, yeah, we, but might, we trust you. We might put a yeah, little blurb on the socials. Yeah, so... Let's dive into this episode. Electric with, uh, Spoonful. Rudy Pache and TJ Plowman, yeah. two great guys and now friends like uh, all our guests seem to be after spending time time here in Hot Jupiter Sands. Yeah, they're fun fellas and it's a, just a fun conversation. And yeah, you can kind of look at, look at what you kind of take in for entertainment in a maybe a different way. Like maybe if you're not used to this style of music maybe it'll just kind of open your eyes up a little bit more or maybe this is your jam and either way it's uh it's a good conversation and uh great to have had them in let's go let's go Whenever we have a musician over, there's I usually just step out for 10 minutes so everybody can get the gear talk out of their system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I never understand what's going on. I don't, I just, like, everything's in code so. and acronyms. Like I just look at it and I'm like, well, this looks fancy. <laughs> I've been around enough I should know any of it, but I don't. Yeah, I'm not much of a gear guy either, honestly. Um, Do you guys have studios in your place of living or are you recording outside of home when you're... my? You know, I always record with Adam Fancy at his place, or we personally record with AJ Bootlier all the time. So I don't know if you know AJ, but he's in like Out of Controller and yeah. stuff like that. It's, book uh, Buddies, Book Buddies, Dinosaur. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah, so Spoonful always does stuff with him, but my solo stuff or anything else I'm doing, I always get fancy. I'll even be my live engineer too, like for shows. Yeah. And That's another thing too. I'll go to a show and I'll even look at a mixer and be like, eh. I don't know what I'm doing here. <laughs> I guess have someone on uh, on speed dials. Yeah. Used to say you can call oh, up for fast, sure. get yeah. some little tips and tricks. Everybody yeah. from small towns has the guy that they go to or the gal so they <laughs> to fix their brakes or cut their hair. Yeah, yeah. or do sound. You guys you have know? studio guys and yeah. gals. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Other than that, I have one of those little USB scarlets, and I can demo and stuff, and I'll do like MIDI drums for. Because I write this like uh, aside from Spoonful, I write this uh, pretty complicated metal music. Yeah. To the point where I have to like map out the tempos, and I have to like make all the drums and I have to basically record the song before even bringing it to the band. Yeah. And then they have to listen to it and be like, okay. And then I have still have to like get together one-on-one -on -one with each member and be like, okay, this goes like this. And yeah. It's such a process. Well, the, a lot of people don't know about the recording process is a multi-step thing. It's not just, okay, we wrote a song. Let's just go in the studio. And if you have a pile of money, you can do that. <laughs> but, yeah, right. but if you're just, 
you know, a musician who, uh, blue collar musician may, making a go at things. You got to do a lot of pre-production before to, so you're not in there spending the $70 an hour that you thinking off your ideas. Yeah. Go in, you do pre-production, which is working the hell out of the song beforehand. So all those decisions are made when you can go into the studio and on our latest record, which we're working on now, like we just had everything dialed in down to a T and we recorded demos and then went into the studio and they're essentially just replacing the tracks yeah. with better quality ones. So the tempos, we know the exact tempo, we know the exact guitar parts, every little part of the record, we're just recording it at a better version, which it can save you a lot of money ultimately. For sure. Yeah. We, uh, funny enough, uh, just did a song for, cause we usually, we do that. Usually we do a ton of pre-production too. Uh, you know, we were trained by old Craig Mercer, you know, he taught us well. Yeah, so we're we, going to have Craig on the podcast. Oh soon. yeah. Yes. Oh, right on. He's, yeah. he's the greatest. I love Craig, but, uh, yeah. yeah, we always normally do a ton of pre-production, but there was this one song on the new EP that we're doing called, uh, the great Glace Bay cigarette heist, <laughs> good comedy songs. Yeah. And we never played it together once. Cause I was living in Cape Breton the past couple of months. I only just recently moved back up. Yeah. And, uh, so we just went in the studio and it's probably the first time we ever did it. Just like did it all in the studio with no pre-pro yeah. and it was, we still don't know how to play it. I know we still haven't <laughs> we, played it. We, we haven't learned it. We can't wait to hear the song. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really funny. It's just, it's a funny song, but, uh, and we were just listening to the first mix the other day and there's definitely a bunch of stuff that we're just like. All right, that that was a little experimental, but it's got to go. But (laughs) studio magic is a real thing, you know, like Mm -hmm. things that just happen spur the moment that you weren't thinking of. Just that that uh, mysterious source that uh, is music just takes over sometimes, and like I was not thinking of that, and it's now it's it's laid on track because we hit record, and that becomes a part of the song that might be the best part of the song, you know? Yeah. Is being in the studio kind of like game day where you've trained with your team and then you go in and it's like, okay, today's game day. I think so. Although we're weird when we go into the studio because we mostly record everything completely separately. And like sometimes every now and then there'll be like one of us there to support. But I know when I usually go in and do my guitar tracks, it's just me. And then like, I'll just lay down whatever. And then we'll convene and listen to everything and like, you know, CJ will kind of do the same thing. And, uh, he records a lot with Bryson Gunn. Um, yeah. And so like totally separate from us and then we'll get all together and listen to it and be like, Oh, that's cool. What yeah. you did there. Like, cause <laughs> we won't be there for the recording right. process. Yeah, we, always... we let each other just take liberties, you know? And oh, it's I... really interesting. Cause then you'll hear the song and you'd be like, Oh, you threw that in there. Oh, you cheeky <laughs> guy. <laughs> that's yeah. that, uh, kind of showcases the trust you have with each other though. Because yeah. if you didn't have that with each other, like you'd, someone would be wanting to take control of everything and say, well, this should be like this. But when you're a band playing as long as you have been, you you have to have that trust yeah. and you you know that you can rely on the other person. Oh yeah, that's a big thing in the band. I I mean I my me personally, nobody ever says I have to have somebody with me, but I just personally would prefer one of the other guys to be there because yeah. I just want their opinion on yeah you know what the vocals should sound like how and usually they have better ideas than myself. <laughs> to yeah, be totally honest, because a lot of people don't know I'm more of a folky country guy when it yeah. comes to my tastes 
what I like and stuff. So this is usually the the style of music we do is really their domain. But I, I love it. I love it still. But uh, I would rather just have their opinions on mm. what I should do. Having said that, Rudy, there's something called decision making fatigue. And sometimes as artists, we like to be in control because we have a vision. But you describing, I like to have somebody there. Do you find it maybe depends on what you're working on that you want to be either in total control or have the input of your bandmates or others? Yeah, absolutely. I would say like lyric, lyric wise, that's something that changes a lot because everybody in this band writes lyrics uh, for the most part. And it's always kind of, you know, off the cusp. There's never really a time where we're like, okay, this tomorrow we're going to write. You know, it's like yeah. maybe I used to work at Gus's. TJ would come in when he didn't work at Gus's, which he works there. Now, everybody in the band has worked at Gus's, basically, <laughs> except for Jesse and, and Gabe. But uh, he would come in, and then it would just be like, he'd be drinking, I'd be working. There's nobody in the bar, and it's like, oh, this concept's pretty funny, right? Let's let's write something right now here in the bar. And uh, so that would be good. Like, it, it, it would just come out that way. But, like, so if Jesse wrote a song, though, and the phrasing to me is, like, just weird... I'll just change it, like, and sometimes it'll be like, well, why'd you change that? Like, I kind of like that part. I'm like, well, I, I prefer would, I'd prefer to sing it this way. You know, I think the phrasing's better and there's never really an argument about it or anything. It's just, that's how it is. So there's certain things like lyrics, I, I would say specifically, yeah, I'm pretty controlling over to an extent. There's a thing with, uh, being a vocalist in a band and just the way you evolve as a musician and what how you create like when i cover a song i i can never do it exactly like that version because my tendencies take over like if i if i was like some people are really good at doing songs exactly the way they are and i suck at that like i have to make my own version and maybe i my vocals are a little bit behind the beat and they're in front of it or something but that's just how i sing and I'm guessing when when you say the rhythm or the the the, the beat of the song is doesn't feel right for for your vocals, it's partially because yeah, your tendencies don't fit with exactly yeah. what they created. Well, it's just the way that I would say certain things. It's the phrasing usually is yeah. the main thing, and I might have to change a couple. Of, like I'm not going to completely change it on them or something like that. But like there's certain like there's songs that uh, me and Jesse have both written, right? So I'm just using a Jesse as an example because I feel like he's probably the most opposite of how I would write. Yeah. Uh, like the song Ode to Olin is one of our tunes and you can tell because Jesse wrote the whole first verse and then I wrote the entire second verse and you can tell the difference. Like if you just listen to it, I think you would be able to hear Jesse's more, you know, he grew up on emo and pop, pop like a pop punk and stuff like that. Yeah. So like the first verse and that is like really, you can hear that in, in it. And then mine is just a lot more straightforward. His is kind of cryptic and you know, Stuff like that, and then mine's just like, yeah, I'm hungover. That's basically the song. It's called Ode to Olin's. It's about how we're like in love with, uh, you know, beer and whatnot. Uh, you know, it's a love song to Olin's, pre pretty much. Um, and then, but then there's other songs like Drip, where that phrasing it's still super weird to me. Like there's like I stuck with the original phrasing, but it's just it's just so weird. Like if you listen to the song, it's like just off the beat. Complete. It's not like if I had written. Uh, that myself, I think me and Jesse kind of both wrote it, but wrote it, but you were actually the one I think that came up with the phrasing. Cause you yeah, were like, well, Jesse had two parts that were completely different and he was like, how are we going to put this together? 
And he had one of these riffs written and it just goes like diddle do diddle do do and it was like what if we just keep repeating that going down it and down and down and down until we hit the key that your other parts in and and it just sounds like it falls apart kind of the whole song falls apart and then gets into that other part it's but th- really this weird. is the, all the nature of collaboration though mm-hmm. when you merge different ideas together and everyone brings their best parts to it that's what creates great songs yeah. Um, yeah, that was weird. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, just... Every time I listen to that one, I'm like, okay. There's another um, thing I think that affects our creative process too, and that's um, we don't take ourselves very seriously. Oh, not at all. Um, yeah. And I think as soon as we stop taking ourselves so seriously, that's when we started getting opportunities, like opening for Cancer Bats or mm-hmm. like any nominations we've had or like winning uh, the Loud Recording of the Year yeah. this yeah. year. and. I think it's so just, weird that it just kind of happened that way. It's like, I think it's because that's just what we're actually like, you know, that's yeah. like, cause we're just a bunch of goofy, weird guys to be totally honest. And, uh, I think people just see the authenticity, like the authenticity about that. Uh, and another difference is that we're all just actually best friends. Uh, it's not yeah. just like, Oh, it's not one of those bands, which is fine to be in a band like that, where it's just kind of more of like, Oh, you know, I see them when I play. And I'd say we go, we play some shows together on the weekends and that's about it. It's like, now we hang out mm-hmm. constantly and we're just a bunch of goofs. And when it goes into the music, I think it just resonates more with people and they feel like they're just part of the fun and the joke and the hanging out basically. Yeah. I love how you can sum it up by saying we're just being ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Do you feel like there was ever a point in your career creativity that you were trying to be something else to maybe fit the market? Um, well, I think we just kind of figured out what was working. Um, and we weren't exactly like, I guess more so like when we first started, it was a diff- completely different lineup. I'm the only original member still of the band. Uh, but we were playing like blues rock kind of stuff. You could hear it on our first album. That's all the stuff that we normally would do, uh, back then. But, uh, and there was no humor in it really. It was just we were trying to write like blues rock tunes and I wouldn't say that it wasn't us pretending to be something we weren't cause we all loved that music. And I really liked that music. I was writing, I wrote all the songs back then except for uh sly killer and bad trip. Brentley Campbell wrote on those. Um, but it was just not as, I guess it didn't flow as well because it was more trying to be a super serious band, you know, trying to be like, Oh yeah, you know, it's a, it's about, the music and the music's what, and, and that is the case, but I'm saying it's nowadays to us, like one of the reasons we, we all love being in this band is just, it's just fun. There's like, it can be stressful at times, like trying to put shows together or something like that. But for the most part, it's just us hanging out with, and we're all best friends, just having a good time. That's it. And your audience feels the same. Do you think? I think so. Definitely. That's, I would say that we're absolutely more of a live band than anything. People do like the, the tunes for sure and we do play well and they are good tunes but like our live performances are just pretty ridiculously they're uh, it, they're just kind of ridiculous <laughs> i saw a few shirtless <laughs> performances in the past <laughs> there. a couple yeah um yeah i started doing this move that's really messing up my back but god the the crowd just pops every time it's i worth do it. it yeah i call it the yeah. death drop where i just i basically take a clothesline from nobody <laughs> and i just like 
fall flat on my back and everyone's like why did he do that that must have hurt so much well, uh, and Jake, then we'll be like pouring beer down people's throats in the crowd and but that's what people are going to the show for this is yeah. why the you free won beer, live yeah. recording of the year yeah you guys yeah. this is what people show up for the, yeah it's pretty it's really our live performances just it's a performance in itself of uh the music's great, but you know when you go to a spoonful show, you get the opportunity to like beat the you know crap out of me. That's usually what happens. By the end of the set, I feel like I did ten rounds with somebody. Don't bother <laughs> showering before a show; you'll get you'll just end up sticky. Yeah, yeah. you'll yeah. just be covered in booze and uh, sweat or uh, you know other fluids. Who knows? You know, it's Gus's pub most of the time. Anyway, so. <laughs> yeah. This you- is fascinating to me, though. You you guys are the first that we've had in your genre of music on the podcast, and so. I mean, I I get to hear Mike record his own music and he's producing other artists as well sometimes. But like, what's your I I hear him repeat the same song a hundred times while he's working on it with like heavy, loud metal, rocky music. Is that a totally separate headspace you have to be in to work on that? Like I can see a live show. You get the energy from the crowd, but like sitting, picking away at your songs, maybe alone in your studio and you're listening to this wild, crazy music like where are you in your mind? Hmm. I mean, I feel like I'm very naturally just in the metal mindset anyway. Um, like I said, my original music is flat out really heavy metal. And then I just kind of bring that element to, or, well, Jesse does as well. well I think a- we're just um loud people <laughs> yeah I, <laughs> like, I, I, you said you were being yourselves yeah. earlier. I think yeah. we all are influenced like by different genres a lot. Um, and it, and it just ends up in there. Like, like I said before, I'm a lot into the folk and country kind of stuff. And somehow that influence gets in there too. And TJ's more into like death metally, like super heavy metal stuff. And Jesse's into pop punk and emo stuff. And, Mm -hmm. you know, CJ likes the classic rock kind of stuff like that. And Gabe's a garage rock freaking Lord. You got to hear like Gabe's got a band coming out, Gabe Bauer, um, with his original stuff too. And he's just a garage rock guy. And it. It all just melds together, but I think another thing, like you, uh, what you were saying about how it feels like when you're tracking a recording. I think what you're getting at there is like, is it a lot harder because there's no audience and stuff, and right. it's, it's kind of weird to try to be all loud and stuff like that. Um, the way I would explain that is, well, it's kind of weird too because when I go in and do my vocals, it's like, like I go in and do vocal tracks, and it's like I could do the whole vocals for the entire EP in probably forty five minutes. Um, but for other guys in the band, it might take a little longer or whatnot. And it is kind of weird, I guess, because you're not like a lot of times when you when you track, you're not even using your it's dry when you track it. Right. And then afterwards, you add the effects and you add all this other stuff. Unless you're doing it live, I guess you can you can get some tones and whatnot. But a lot of the stuff is in post. Right. And you, you're telling the engineer pretty much add this, add that, take this out, stuff like that. And I think um, as well in terms of getting in the headspace, like in terms of writing the music itself, mm-hmm. it's like it comes back to kind of not taking yourself so seriously too. It's just like, let's make whatever. We're really not genre specific, but we tend to lean towards the heavy stuff because it's like, I think when we're writing, we're picturing the performance because for us, that's kind of where our bread and butter is, is just like causing crazy nonsense, mosh pits and you know, headstands and stuff on stage. And, and then I'll be writing a riff and be like, 
oh, I could imagine the crowd just, you know, bump into that. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of the headspace I get into if I'm writing. Yeah, that's very cool. I think, yeah, I've never heard it described that way. Like, that's where you're you're looking ahead into mm. the purpose that it's going to serve. Very cool. we know why people like us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is that how you show up in your day-to-day -day life? Like, would you describe yourself as kind of a wild guy? Oh, God, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, like, very I don't want to so. judge a book yeah. by its cover, no, but you but, look pretty uh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, everybody in the band, band is very... Uh, Eccentric, if that's the correct word. Eccentric. I think, I, I, that's, I, what I, come on, <laughs> God. All right. Anyway, uh, we're all like kind of weird in our own. I'm hungover right now. Way. Yeah, he's hungover. Right now. He was drinking. I'm the responsible one. Morning. That's not true at all. CJ Hill's the responsible one. CJ Hill is the responsible. He's the responsible, one, but he's still a wacky, crazy guy. He's the oh, anchor. Yeah. Is yeah, he? yeah. Well, he's bit, the yeah. one that, like, you know, he's got a. Every once in a while, it's like, all right, boys. Calm, Calm down. down a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> like we we have to bring Bryce and Gunn on tour with us because if CJ didn't have another guy with him that wasn't absolutely insane, would he it. would <laughs> he would just like end up killing us all in our, our sleep on tour in an Airbnb in Toronto or something. <laughs> uh, what is the importance of the audience? Do you think that is what drives you? Oh God, yeah. Um I think for sure, because not only that, like we know that we can rile a crowd up, you know, and knowing that and knowing that we're giving crazy people like us a crazy experience that we'd like to have too, you know, like we think of ourselves as the crowd. We want to be in the crowd when we perform. We yeah. do too. I have like a wireless system. I'll run around the crowd playing <laughs> yeah. guitar. I think me He'll and cause you, mosh pits. We like, probably spend me and him like seventy five percent of the entire show in in the audience. Yeah. yeah. So like much. like I get like I like the one of the last shows we played at Gus's I was on I was laying on the ground, my eyes closed, singing into the mic on my back, and I just got sucked in. To like so, like the audience has grabbed my legs and pulled me out <laughs> off the stage into the audience and just starts beating on me. That's like one of the things they just like to beat me up, you know. I think it's yeah. just a good chance to go in and smack me in the face. You know, do you have so, medics on hand? No, you know, <laughs> I don't think so. I, I was a medical technician in the ar in the army reserves when I was a teenager, oh, but yeah. uh, did not finish my trades course, so I don't know any medical stuff. But yeah, and you're usually loaded for a show, so I'm exactly. not trusting that's you a, trying to stitch me up. I don't even know <laughs> Feeling uh, no the pain. injuries yeah. till the next day, you know, that's it. That's it. That's, the, boo the booze gets me through it, I guess. Yeah, that's actually a great <laughs> point. Yeah, so in terms of like us valuing our crowd, we definitely do because we know that they're crazy like us yeah you see the same people at your shows the same people that have been coming for years and tons of new people I especially think that's a, in the last year a lot of new people a lot of new faces and that's a good thing i'm sure that you noticed it coming up too like is an awesome thing to see the same faces and it's like somebody that you've never met and yeah. then you realize like okay you're starting to garner an audience a little bit that's not just the homies coming out to support it's more like you have an actual like, I would say we have, like, a very culty following right now in, yeah. in Halifax, where it's, like, it is the same faces, but we don't know all of them and stuff, but a, we have a really, really strong fan base, I think, right now. It's small, but it's mighty. Yeah. You know? And that's the most important thing in playing music. Like, you can, you have people that come to support you and are paying the money to get into a show and are probably buying your merch and want to see you succeed like they're behind you and in this modern day music like there's lots of bands who 
might release a song on Spotify and don't even play live and they try to get on TikTok or something like that. And maybe they have millions of views, but no one actually knows who they are. Yeah. They don't have loyal followings. They don't have this group of actual people behind them who are just supporting everything they do. Yeah. And starting starting on, I guess, like you could say underground scene, like when you really want to look at it, that's, I think, would you describe it as uh, underground where, where you're at? It's really strange because now we're, you know, getting nominated for an ECMA yeah. and we just won a Nova Scotia Music Week award, which yeah. we didn't, we kind of stopped thinking of that because um, the first time we showcased in 2019, um, we won't mention any names, but we were basically told that our brand doesn't exist in the uh, professional setting. Um, and I was like, well, what about, you know, a band like Fiddler, they're all about partying and they have a song on Grand Theft Auto five, one of the biggest. And they were like, no, that doesn't exist. Pretend yeah. to drink. Well, it was, stage, it was, you know, more it's so, like, well, people are shoving beers down our throats. Like. Think, well, it was, it was more so like we tried to explain the brand. We're like, when it comes down to it, like this is what we're talking about with the extremely ridiculous live shows. We're a party band. Like when people come to see us, they want to get wild. Like they want to just be nuts, you know? So with, the best way to describe us is like we're a party band, right? So, yeah. and basically we tried to explain that uh, to some people, and it was we were just told like, no, that's not that's not how it works nowadays. Like you shouldn't be doing that. Like bands like that don't really make it that far. Yeah, it was uh, during a conference. Yeah, too. It and, was and like, doesn't it feel so good to prove that? Yeah, oh, God, yeah. Was like, well, tell us it was like he brought up Fiddler, and like one of our favorite bands. Like the, I think we were really influenced by was is a was a smaller Canadian band back in the day. That's where we kind of changed our vibe because we played with them in Toronto. They were called the New Swears. They're from Toronto and they had just got signed to Dine Alone and stuff and they were doing all this crazy stuff. Like we'd go see them play and they'd be doing all this nuts like stage antics and we yeah. were like, that's awesome. Let's do that. Yeah. And we started doing it. So and my I, question, I think maybe they just got the, like, cause we were explaining this verbally, right? So my question I think maybe was she like, thought, or they thought that uh, it was more like, yeah, we're just loaded and we're just drunk as hell on stage. And that's it. You know, we're mumbling and screwing up the instruments. And I remember clearly too the question, like, where do you guys usually play? It's like, well, Gus is in the seahorse. And um, this person was like, well, you know, I've seen a lot of uh, bands play drunk uh, and they probably think they sound good. But and I'm like, are you serious? My question, my original question that brought all this up was um, how do we be a party band at Nova Scotia Music Week, making sure that we maintain our professionality. Clearly, there is space for party bands. You know, going to Nova Scotia Music Week, people are partying all weekend, right? Yeah. Clearly, there's space for us, and they just weren't having it. And so I think that's when we stopped taking ourselves so seriously, and then I think that's exactly when we started, you know... Yeah, moving up the story. chain. I think yeah. we upped it a little bit. After uh, that. To, to be fair, too, I was hammered, and it was three p.m. during that <laughs> conference. Yeah. So. Well, the the thing about the industry is there's there's no set path on how to do things right. Like there's no right or wrong way to go about things. Like there might be like yeah, these are the best practices to get to a certain point, but there's no laid out road for people to follow. Like to get to where you're you're trying to go so you you can make your own path and yeah maybe sometimes you do have to listen to some people in the industry because they they've been there and they have good advice and that but not everyone has the the answers you need right no, well that's the thing too because they are like 
Well, it's like they're not wrong. Like you have to. I think that the way it came across was like that's all we're about. When it's not true, a lot of them are, like three of us are business graduates from NSCC music business program, and the other two are music arts graduates from NSCC. We are professional. We do like that's how like we didn't get here just from partying and be like that's what what the audience likes for sure. But you need to have some business sense to an extent of of being professional and knowing, you know, to read a room or, and, and do these certain, like uh, writing grants, learning how to write marketing plans. Like we do all that stuff that might come to a shock to a lot of people. Cause they might <laughs> yeah. be like, well, I would never expect any of them to sit down and do any type of intellectual thought <laughs> ever. But, uh, but we your, do. <laughs> your, your stage show is, is I don't want to say an act because you are who you are, but every time someone steps on the stage, it's an act to some extent. Oh, for yeah. sure, yeah. Like, well, it's not like we're out in public, like you know. I think we throwing just... beer, spitting beer into each other's mouths, <laughs> you know, um, doing stuff like that. Speak for yourself, first <laughs> yeah, off. Okay. And um, <laughs> yeah, I think it is our genuine self on stage. We just kind of turn it up a bit because, yeah. like, we really do have that insane energy in us. We're very off the walls well, it's, it's probably an outlet nuts. for you too right? it definitely is it's very cathartic doing yes. those kinds of like high energy performances it takes a lot out of us yeah. like usually after a show i'll just have to sit and stare at a wall and then be like all right give me a beer i'm good yeah. <laughs> you can never tell if what you're drenched in is beer or sweat usually it's both but yeah. <laughs> i gotta do the same thing i usually sit outside and i'm just like what did we uh, my just neck cause? Is destroyed. <laughs> like I have had it after shows occasionally, or like the week after a show, I can't keep my head up because I was banging my head so hard that it's in. It's literally falling down. Like it just fall droops down. Like you know when the microphone's all messed up and it's just like slowly <laughs> drooping. That's what my head's like all week because I was going so hard. <laughs> did you guys all meet at NSCC? I have a funny story about actually I meet the first oh time I met God. him. Actually, I was drive. I was in Anganish because me and him are both from Cape Breton, and we're going to Anganish, like driving up with a couple buddies, uh, and we're going through the toll. You know the toll booth to get a ticket for uh, to go to the Cape Breton Highlands National Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we go up there. I pull up. There's this like ginger, long haired hippie dude. <laughs> standing behind the camera. He's got like eight Evolve bracelets on his arm, <laughs> and they're like. He, we pull up, we're in a pickup truck. There's three of us in the truck, and we pull up, he goes, how many uh, in the vehicle? Oh, wait, you guys are in a truck. I guess there's only three of you. And we're like, yeah, that's that's right. And he's like, all right, well, here's the ticket. And we're like, all right, have a good one, drive away. I'm like, that guy was fried out of his mind for sure. And it was me. <laughs> yeah. and, then, and then like two months later, we go to music business the first day of school, and he walks in the door with a guitar, and instantly I'm like, that's the friggin' hippie guy. <laughs> You're memorable. <laughs> yeah. For uh, better or worse. <laughs> sometimes. No, I get recognized a lot, too. <laughs> like, I'll be at the local having a pint or something. Um, I do this thing where I like to hang out by myself, but around people. So I'll just, like, go to bars and sit down and... So many times I've had people come up to me and be like, hey, you're that crazy guy from Electric Spoonful. Here's a beer, buddy. And I'm just like, yeah, that's okay. Another, that's oh. another perk of being like the nuts uh, crazy band on stage is a lot of free alcohol. And afterwards. And just randomly in public. Yeah. <laughs> that's weird. I find going to a bar 
or a restaurant by myself and sitting there, one of the most anxiety <laughs> inducing things in the world. Yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you have you guys do all those skits that get really popular yeah. on Facebook and everything, and yeah. But I I can go on stage and perform. But if I just if there was a restaurant and I had to go in and just sit there by myself, I would just be nervous as hell. Yeah. Oh, okay. I see what you mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm saying that's that's hard that you that you go into a venue by yourself. Yeah, I don't know why out. I do that. I think it's like. It's like going to the movies by yourself. I think I worse. learn a lot about myself when I put myself in those situations. Yeah. It's like, I don't know anybody here. I get to reinvent myself anytime I walk into a room where I don't know anybody. And I think that, I don't know, it's it's a weird growth method or something. Yeah, it is. I think it's important to do that every once in a while. We actually were at a show, the Big Shiny Tunes tribute yeah. show this weekend, and I had a moment backstage where everybody was kind of grouped off, you know, hyped up after the show, and Mike had got up to get a drink or something, and a conversation had ended, and I, was, I, I felt very, like, aware that I was sitting here alone. Mm. But I think that awareness made me kind of embrace it, because I had this thought of, normally this would make me very uncomfortable, but I'm just going to chill and take yeah. a minute and be and, and like observe. And so it's something I've been trying to work on. But like, Mike, I understand that that's a brave thing to just kind of show up and let people come to you. Yeah. <laughs> Do I, you guys both grow up in Cape Breton? I know this yeah. is where you met at the toll booth. Right. Completely different place. I'm from industrial Cape Breton. Yeah, the I'm, boring part of Cape I'm from Sydney, Nova Scotia. Okay. Yes, I'm from uh, Inganish, yeah. the gotcha. Highlands, bud. Jesse McLeod, our drummer, is from like Lewisburg area, Catalone. Okay. And then uh, the rest of the boys are Valley Boys. Gabe's from, I think, Middleton, and CJ's from Middleton, maybe as well. I don't even know where he's from. The Valley. Kristen's a Valley girl. Yeah. Yeah. You got Valley oh, island representation yeah. here, too. Yeah. I find Cape Bretoners, like, there's three groups of Nova Scotians that get her along the best, and I find it's Cape Bretoners. Valley people and Lunenburgers, I guess you call them that. <laughs> we'll we put a poll up. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just find that those are all like my close friends that I've been, and and for whatever reason, they're all friends with a lot of the same. But I mean, maybe that's just because that's where most people come from. Not Lunenburg, I guess, but I know a lot of Lunenburgers. Is that how you call it? Lunenburgers, they are now. That should be on a menu somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I hope it is. It's gotta be right. So, it is now. Yeah, it is now. Yeah. I I want to ask you, Rudy. Did you? Especially having grown up in a small place where maybe there wasn't a lot of exposure to the grand arts and culture. This is how we've felt, at least growing up. Did you have a, a sense of knowing that this is the life that you wanted to pursue? Did it feel possible and available to you? Actually, a really weird story because my family is my like my great my grandfather was a professional jazz musician and my great grandfather was a professional big band musician in, hmm. in Sydney. My great grandfather came from Italy in the twenties and started a big band and he actually was very, very, very successful. And my grandfather was pretty successful too. As a jazz musician, my father's generation kind of didn't do anything really. I'm trying to bring it back, you know, yeah. but, uh, but growing up all, like I said before, I was in the army reserves. I'm telling you from the year, like when I was five and up, you can ask my mother, or anybody, I was absolutely positive. I wanted to be in the military and that's it. I just wanted to be in the army really bad. That's all I wanted. Though my whole life I was obsessed with it. And uh, then I got in the army and <laughs> was not the greatest at it, to be totally honest. And, you know, it wasn't like a movie like I figured it was going to be. I romanticized it way too much yeah. as a kid. And it's kind of weird. Like, I have nothing against the Army Reserves and 
you know, people going into it. It's but it is kind of weird being that young and being put into like trying to just go around these, you know, figure this these things out. It's very kind of an adult environment, which is fine. I think it's a good way to, you know, kind of learn some life lessons. And I did a lot of cool things and a lot of things that I don't regret at all. Um, but it just made me realize that it was not for me. There's a uh, term in the army of what I would be uh, described as a, a shit pump. That's what they call it. Uh, because it's just, that's all you're good for is pumping shit. So it's like, uh, I just wasn't good at it. And then when I got out or was thinking about getting out, I was like, what else would I even want to do? Because all I thought of my whole life was I'm going to be in the army. There was no other thought in my it's mind that there was anything else, right? So I'm like, what else can I do? Well, I like music. And the way I thought, always thought of it before was like, well, there's no way you can't make any money. You can't like make that a career. And then I'm thinking like, dude, your grandfather and great grandfather were both professional musicians yeah. and they weren't ultra big famous guys. So there's obviously room in, in life that you can be an artist or a musician, uh, and make a living from it. Uh, I'm still not there yet making my entire wage off of it, but hopefully someday and I'm working at it and I'm, we've all been very successful so far, I think. Uh, and I think it's bound to happen if you just keep plucking away at it and you're just dedicated to it and you don't lose that fire. What gave you the idea to go towards music after you, you came out of the army? Well, I think that the only thing is that the only other thing in my life that I was extremely passionate about yeah. was music. Like, it, not, like uh, if it wasn't for music, I think the other thing that I would have went into would be film. Which I'm even yeah. starting to do now. Like I've been on, uh, like uh, Ate and Jax just did a, a a pilot show for their. They're trying to shop this show around. It's called Ate and Jax Canadian Rap Stars, and I play their manager Dryden, who's a real person, but I play him in the show. Fun. And uh, so that's my first time like acting. I think that would have been like the second choice, I guess. But yeah, it just literally comes down to that. I was so obsessed, and I had no other thought in my mind that I was going to be in the military. That the only other thing that made sense was music, because it was the only thing that I was at all passionate about other than than the military and luckily i went into it because it's just i'm way more passionate about music than i ever even was about the military and i just love it i love every second of it i love being around all these people that are like-minded and enjoy the same things as i do and i just it's just it's just an amazing career path to take i think they seem like such different pursuits. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm sure there's parallels there somewhere, but I I, I want to talk about now how you also are practicing folk music, yeah. which of course is very different than your rock oh metal God, shows. It's completely the opposite. You seem like you have a lot of these defined parts of yourselves. Are you are you clear on what they are? Like, is this just an expression of these different sides that you feel? I would say that, the, like, the reason that I love being in Spoonful the most is because it's just fun, like we were saying before. My folk music is fun, too, but it's I'm a lot more trying to be more business-oriented, business and the songs are more serious, which that's usually the case with folk music. Mm -hmm. There's some funnier tunes and whatnot, but they're more serious tones, I guess, to it. And uh, I love folk music. That's my passionate like the passion of music I, I really enjoy. Um, but like funny enough, here's another thing. Like people are always extremely surprised by like, they might know me for spoonful. Right. And when they find out that I do folk and country music, they're like, what, 
why like you do that like what what's going on there why like i had no idea that you even liked that kind of stuff and then it's vice versa yeah somebody might only know me for my folk stuff and then they hear the spoonful stuff they're like what is where is that coming from like what is going on there and like with dan like you know daniel james mcfadden uh yeah at music week he i was talking to him after our set the next day and he's like dude i saw you play last night like that was incredible i didn't even know you played that stuff i was like oh yeah he's like Man, I, I was literally going up to people like in the audience. I was like, the singer in this band looks just like Rudy. <laughs> and, and everybody's like, yeah. And he's like, it took like three people before somebody's like, yeah, that is Rudy. And he's like, what the hell? That's crazy. <laughs> well, there's there's more than one side to a, a person, you know? Yeah, like yeah. We're, we're all made up of different, different parts and different likes and different things that we're passionate about. And... Yeah, you, it's it's okay to have uh, multiple things yeah. that you, you multiple disciplines of music that you want to focus on, and I think that's awesome. Yeah, oh, I I love it. I'm like like uh, we were. He was saying before with Spoonful, like we really don't stick to us. Like it definitely always ends up on the heavier side, but there we we don't really stick to a certain genre. That's going to come out a lot more, I think, on this next EP too, because there's yeah. a couple songs that are like the Great Glace Bay Cigarette Heist is like <laughs> it's. I, I don't want to ruin it or spoil it, but that one's really different, I think, than anything we've ever done before. We have a very, very special sponsor of this episode that we both love dearly with all our hearts. The Rustic, Rustic Crust Pizza! Pizza! Yum, yum, yum. In Upper Tan Talon, Nova Scotia. These folks started off in a food truck and they now have a fully functioning restaurant. They've got a beer garden for the summertime. They get rented out for private events. They have everything there yeah i can honestly say it's my favorite pizza in the world like really 10 out of 10 so delicious it's my favorite spot to eat and i play a lot of gigs there they treat me like a god when i go there they're so nice it's hard to believe that a local pizza spot is such good supporters of the arts they're also very supportive of community events they have taken in a ukrainian family they're always giving to fundraising events they're just amazing people across the board and you have your art showcase there too i've got art up there right now and i have to say i love their pizza as well of course but their caesar salad is exceptional next level the pizza is wood fired which makes it absolutely delicious and the tomatoes and flour are both from italy they've got an awesome collection of local craft beer and wine so you're sure to have a great drink to pair with your pizza all of our guests that come to stay with us we bring them there for a meal. You can find this sweet little restaurant at 10 Sunnies Road in Upper Tan Talon. They're open Tuesday to Sunday year round and their website is therusticcrustpizzeria.com. Yeah, you should definitely check it out if you're in the area. You can go to the beer garden, you can go inside. It's a cool house converted into a restaurant. Great people doing great things that we truly are huge fans of. So check them out now. Rustic Crust! Rustic Crust! How about you, TJ? Did you did you know when you were a kid, you were like, I'm going to be a musician. I'm going to be a star. As soon as I saw uh, the music video for Smells Like Teen Spirit on the YouTubes uh, when I was like 10, I was like, I want to do that. But I also grew up in a village and didn't know a drummer till I moved to Halifax when I was 18. So I had no resources. I didn't see any shows. I didn't see anything until I moved up and you know, tried to do it. And then I started learning jazz and stuff. I'm like, this isn't what I want. Oh, but I guess it'll make my music better. Maybe. In hindsight, do you think 
it worked to your advantage to kind of have that clean slate and not be impressionable to what other people were doing? You know what? Maybe. Um, I was definitely in in comparison to other people at my high school. I went to Cabot Junior Senior High there, where it's like my graduating class had maybe twenty people in it or something, and the year before that had eleven. And it was like very small town. So I was, you know, fourteen years old and um, you know, I was like painting my nails and doing my makeup and stuff just to piss people off. And so I don't know. I always knew that I wanted to kind of go against cert- like a certain grain, mm-hmm. but cause you know, it was just a lot of the same kind of stuff in it, like a small town. It's like, Oh, like, I don't know. It's so, I don't know. I just, like, do you feel like the community you're part of now that you belong there? Most definitely like the found family type cool. situation. Um, yeah, and I I can't believe sometimes looking back at like when I was a kid having nobody at all. I was just like in the woods talking to a tree basically. <laughs> and uh and then now I can't walk down the street without being like, "Hey buddy, how's it going there?" Mm-hmm. Yeah, like it's 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 wonderful. I really like the It's an important message and story for people from small towns. Um I, I never felt like I was necessarily an outcast, but I was aware that my life was going to look different somehow. Like I didn't have the desire to stay there, which a lot of folks from small towns do, and I almost envy that because they were satisfied with something that was simple and familiar, but Mike and I both have talked about how Yeah, even from a young age, I didn't know what it would look like, but I knew I wasn't going to live there. I knew that I kind of was drawn to things that were exciting and grander and bigger. And I mean, we only live in Halifax, but (laughs) but you you it fulfills that you feel like you found a community. And I really feel like the music community in particular is very much a family. Like we go to music week, for example, and you're just running into people all the time and feeling excited and so I want to ask, uh, Rudy, I'll, I'll skip back to you. Do you feel like you still have that um, deep connection to home and family as your support system? Are you getting that here in the city as well? Like, are they are they the same? Talk about that a little bit. I would I would differentiate them completely. But I like, of course, you don't come from Cape Breton without just like being like just love Cape Breton. You, you you just do. You just even if maybe when you're younger, because that's how I thought when I was younger. I thought, screw this place, you know. I I can't wait to get out of here type thing. And then when you leave, you're like, I miss <laughs> home a lot. Mm. Uh, so I love Cape Breton and I love my family, but I would definitely separate the two feelings from each other. Like definitely, it's like a family feeling with with the music industry. Uh, especially in Halifax and Cape Breton in general, uh, because it is like TJ was saying, you go to the local, you know, you see 600 people that, you know, like, like you can't get around town without seeing these people that you love and you have memories and, and, and lots of great experiences from the music industry. And then there's also just the difference between like family memories. Like they support my stuff at, and, and all that, like my parents did, uh, certainly like my folk music a lot better than the electric <laughs> spoonful music, but they still support it. Mm. I think that's another thing that we're really lucky about in this band is that all of our parents are very supportive of it. Oh, which yeah. a lot of people don't, a lot of musicians don't really have that when they take, go like full force into, into music as like, this is what we want to do as a career. A lot of people's parents don't really understand that. And maybe ours didn't at first, but they, they support us thoroughly. So 
I'll always respect and love them for that stuff. But yeah, there's a difference, a different feeling, I suppose. Oh man, my father, he's a funny guy, Terry Sr. there. Um, <laughs> he's a, he's a newfie. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah, I, I was set up real good. A newfie blooded Kate Bretner. <laughs> no wonder my liver is so strong. <laughs> um, but, uh, he was, uh, at music week. He was like, oh, I got to get on the ferry to Newfoundland tomorrow. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to stay up all night and I'm going to drive whoever around. I'll be a shuttle. And, uh, he was like cranking ACDC <laughs> and doing crazy UEs and like me and Lindsay Meisner and uh, Nico who drums for her like we were just like Whoa! <laughs> and uh, he was like walking around with one of our posters stuck to his <laughs> shirt like taped to his <laughs> shirt. he like ripped it off the wall and stuck it to himself and was, like totally we should sober. Have your dad on the podcast. Oh my goodness, he'd have some yeah, stories. Terry, yeah. Terry Senior. He was a military guy too for yeah, seventeen years. That's what. That's every time I see his dad, we just talk about army crap for like hours. <laughs> He's just smoking a big bat. Oh yeah. I want to ask you both about your instruments. So, uh, Rudy, you mentioned earlier that you've recently inherited a family heirloom. Yep. Can you tell us about that guitar? Yeah. So it's like uh, my my cousin Aaron McDonald had it for a really long time, but. Uh, this summer we had kind of like a tribute fam because my, my grandmother passed away during COVID. We couldn't have a, like a funeral for her. So we did kind of like a family reunion with everybody came home and, uh, kind of celebrated her life. But during it, uh, they surprised me with this, uh, 19, I think it was 1957 Martin classic, uh, guitar. That was my great grandfather Emilio's. Uh, and it's just incredible. That's what I write on. I was actually in a big rut for a very long time with writing, but now I write pretty much every day and I do it on that guitar all the time. Um, it's, it's just like a precious family heirloom. I would never get rid of it. And if something ever happened to it, I don't know what I do. Uh, and I just love it. Uh, it's not my gig guitar. I wouldn't take it, play gigs and stuff. I usually play my solo gigs. I play in a Fender Acoustasonic now. <coughs> I use Logan McKay's like in the summer. And I was like, I gotta buy one of these. I went out like the next day and went and bought one from Long McQuaid. So I've been using that for gigging though. Do you find inspiration in this new guitar, new uh, old guitar? I think so for sure because you can see it's beat up. You can still see on like you know how some people play. They have their their fingers kind of. Sm it, it's like Willie uh, Nelson's. I think it actually is the same guitar as Trigger. Like it's the same oh, yeah. kind of guitar and. Uh, yeah, you can see where he wore it away, you know, where his, where he was starting to wear away the wood and stuff. And I just look at that, and I, I never got to meet him. Obviously, he'd be yeah. like 130 friggin' years old now. <laughs> but uh, it's just cool to see that and think like, okay, he he played that stuff, and he was an absolute, basically a genius. Like he played everything. He was he was just a musical genius, pretty much. Like even when my cousin uh, is Glenn Stricky, the jazz musician from uh, PEI. And he has the story about he went to Pier 21 one time and asked to see the records and all that stuff of Emilio when he came over. And it says on his, like, he said the lady was like, I've never seen this before. This is hilarious. And he's like, what's going on? She's like, it says on his occupation when he wrote his, like, uh, you know, immigration forms, usually people would put farmer, coal miner, you know, something like that. She's like, it says on his occupation, maestro. <laughs> he wrote in maestro as his uh, occupation he wasn't he was messing around <laughs> yeah. that's some serious yeah. mojo yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he was see, he was confident yeah that's, that's for sure so it's in the genes yeah i'm very i'm very proud of my family's musical history and him specifically it sucks that i never got to meet i never even got to meet my grandfather that he passed away before i was born as well 
I'm his namesake, I suppose. My, I have the same name as him, Rudy Pache. A lot of people, that's another thing too. Uh, my last name spelled like Pace. Very confusing mm. to people. <laughs> I was thinking recently maybe I should change it to spell it like phonetically yeah. because Rudy Pace does not really have the ring that Rudy Pache does to yeah. it. I don't think so. I think it's super cool to play a guitar that you know has been in your family for many many yeah. years, and that it must just be inspiring every time you pick it, it up. It is. And- I, I love it. I was playing it this morning. <laughs> Nice. What was your first guitar, TJ? Oh, um, what was my first guitar? It was probably like a, a Sears catalog Nova <laughs> yeah. that I bought from, uh, oh, it was like, um, what do you call those? Like TAs at school. I think I was in grade five or something. And, uh, I bought hers for 50 bucks. I Perfect. was like, mom, please give me 50 bucks. <laughs> and she's like, all right, well, you're not getting anything for a while. I'm like, oh, it's okay. I'll Early Christmas. be occupied with this for quite a bit. And yeah, next day I brought the 50 bucks and I got that guitar and I started plucking away at it. So I got, my first one was an electric. So I just started off bad news. You know? so and what are you, what are you playing now? Um, in Electric Spoonful, I play an SG Junior that I got from uh, Will Hanson, Willie Kid. He's a he's a prodigy. I tell yeah. you, he was in honors jazz when he was eleven. So uh, you know he knows how to sell a guitar. That's wow. true. <laughs> and he was like, "Buddy, I'll give you this guitar for four hundred bucks cash. I'll take the tax off if you give me cash." He was working at a oh Gig Street. It was called. It's not open anymore. It's a tattoo shop now. And yeah, no, I've been playing that thing. It's like five pounds. I'll throw it around. Like I've thrown it on stage multiple times. I don't know how it's not broken. It's very durable. Yeah. <laughs> very loud. It seems like that they are two very necessary things in what you're creating. For sure. <laughs> yes, yeah, durable and loud. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> how important is uh the scene to you? Mm, oh man. Um it's I mean, it's our whole experience with this music thing, you know, it's, it's everything we know and we know the people in it, like, um, and they're all great people that build it, uh, especially just developing as a person, you know, meeting so many people, so many different kinds of music too. Like we've played shows with people that you wouldn't think, like, you know, good to your good, right? Buddy of mine, Timothy Hatcher there, he, we grew up together. Um, and they play like, you know, this poppy kind of music that's really good, like really indie pop kind of stuff and really beautiful. And then we'll play a show together and it's like, everyone loves each other. Everyone loves a good mixed bag. And, uh, you know, it's really, it's really an interesting scene because it kind of is like, no matter what music you love or listen to, you'll go to each other's shows and you'll meet so many different kinds of people along the way. So scene is, uh, it's, it's everything really yeah. when it comes to, and I, I know you've put on some shows that are bigger than normal shows where they started like two o'clock in the afternoon, yeah. go to late night yeah. and you have like 15 bands on like that's, yeah. 
you don't really see that at a bar ever, really. Yeah, we're doing that's now a normal thing for a yearly thing. It's going to be we call it Spoonapalooza. It's our, yeah, it's our little festival. This year it's going to be even bigger than last year. So this year it's two days. Two days. And yeah. when, when does it take yet. place? This oh. will be in June. Okay. We know we have the dates. What are the dates? Can't remember. Uh, I think it's June second and third or something June like 2nd that. June second and third, we believe. <laughs> something like uh, that. It's the I think the first weekend of June. So. And that's two days at Gus's Pub and Grill. Um, and there's going to be, I think, how many bands all together? I think there's nine. There's, I think we're going to have four solo acts that start at like 4 p.m. and go till 6.30. And then the rest of the night is all heavy bands. And it's going to be that two nights in a row at Gus's. Last year was one night and it was extremely successful. So we figured we'll just start doing it every year. Yep. It's such a beautiful gift to the city when people take the reins and organize these types of events it's no small feat logistically to bring together multiple bands and be promoting and i think that's kind of the overlooked part of the arts sometimes and you spoke a little bit about this earlier rudy is like the behind the scenes business aspect of things yeah. uh you've clearly executed this well you're developing you're turning even like okay i'm gonna add a full other day like i'm doubling yeah. the amount of intensity and work that i've put into this event but just thank you for for yeah. bringing this type of energy to the city and networking in that way um i want to ask you about uh your i both of you your idea of making it uh what that means to you and based on what that means to you if you feel like you've achieved it I would say, uh, for me personally, making it would, to the extent that I would like to be successful at some point in my life, would be like where you guys are at, where it's, that's my job, basically. We've got a good illusion going yeah. on. <laughs> well, you well, guys are so multifaceted, like yeah. I'm fascinated by you guys. Yeah, like, you guys have a book out and, you know, yeah. like your art is beautiful. It's all over the walls. Here. Yeah. It's so cool. Like. Well, yeah, you guys are very, impressive. very kind of you both yeah. to say, you know, it's, uh, we've been. Well, if that's what your idea of making it is, you have my friend. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, I mean, basically like my, my income is music yeah. pretty much or art in general. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, to a certain extent, I think we've made it a lot farther than, than I guess I would have really expected from the beginning when I first started. But this is like the things like if I looked at, if I went back and told like showed Rudy when he was nineteen what we have accomplished since then, it'd be like, wow, that's insane. Like really yeah. when you think about it, it seems like a long time, but we haven't really been doing it for that long of a time. It's only been about I think my first real show at a bar was in twenty fourteen. So it really hasn't been a super extensive long time. It's yeah. almost been a decade. But I think in the grand scheme of things, that's not a super long time. So I think we've we've been doing good already. Yeah, it take, takes a lot of time to just build build the scene, build the audience, yeah. build the followers, and build your own skills and learn how yeah. to be on stage, learn how to communicate with people. And we're learning every day. You guys are learning every day. Like I think it's a continual thing that never ends. Yeah. Like once you think you've learned everything, that's when you're done. I think. Yeah, you know, like, definitely. You never do. I'd imagine. If you think you've mastered yeah. something, you it's time to retire. Yeah. I <laughs> yeah, I used to have an idea of what defines making it for me, and 
you know, the older I grow and the more experiences I have and the more mushrooms I do, <laughs> I I feel like in my heart I already have because of yeah. just how beautiful this life experience has been so far. Everything else is just bonus at this point. Yeah. That's brilliant. I'm I'm happy that you feel that way. It uh it's a unique life. Um I, I actually worked in government corporate world for my entire life until almost just a year ago and have pursued full time artist, entrepreneur and yeah, the money thing is a consistent thing that comes up with lots of our guests and for us, but uh I would say that the rewards are just immeasurably greater. Yeah. Uh, and that's what makes this lifestyle worth it. Uh, making it, I guess, for me is about how you feel. It seems like you both are grounded and happy. Uh, you're pursuing what you love and what you want to do, what maybe you were made to do. Uh, tell us about your next record that's on the horizon. Uh, it's uh, more ridiculous than the last, I suppose. Um, lots of weirdness going on what are some songs we, we have a political song which we've yeah, never done it's our first political song yeah still humor in there but uh there's still a little bit of humor for sure it's it's mostly about the housing crisis and uh you know the struggles that we've been going like you know it's bad when we make a, a political song yeah. something's gotta <laughs> give y'all something's gotta give it's like the housing crisis and the way that it's affecting the music scene in halifax wise as in the amount like i think there's probably eight less venues than there was when I moved to the city 10 years ago. Yeah. And that's specifically because, you know, these big giant, uh, companies come in and they offer these businesses that are not, maybe not getting a lot as by as much as they would like to an absorbent amount of money. And, uh, then they just tear the, tear them down and build a big condo that nobody can afford or live in. So the, the like, so basically that's what the song's about is just, there's nowhere to live. The places that there are to live, there's no affordable housing. We're all struggling right now completely. And yeah. it's even affecting the music scene by, you know, these nightlife type bars can't stay open because nobody can afford to go to them anymore. Yeah. So, and, and, you know, running out of venues as musicians, there's even a lyric that goes like, where are we going? Toronto or Montreal as musicians? Mm -hmm. Like we're running out of options in Halifax. I've never considered the like the cost, the higher cost of living and the housing crisis being connected to the loss of venues, but that makes perfect sense. Is it, do you think more because the venue owners can't afford their rent or you're saying like the patrons just can't afford to go out? I think it's just shows? both. It's just like, yeah. they, they're like, of course, like being like, I, I'd imagine owning a venue must be extremely expensive. Yeah. Uh, and I don't blame them necessarily because what are they supposed to do? They're not, they need to make a living. Right. And it's basically the combination of nobody, like you, you try to get your friends to go to shows and stuff that aren't really in the music scene. It's like, how much is it? You know? Oh, $8. I can't afford that. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go to the bar and a beer is a, a beer is $10. Like, so people can't afford to go out anymore. Mm -hmm. And people stay at home and they drink now. And maybe if they go out, they go out. That's what, that's what pre drink, pre drinking is the new <laughs> thing now that's all you do is mm. pre-drink because the drinking that you do is more like post-drinking at the bar where you have three beer and you go home because you got you get to the bar at 12 a.m yeah you go for two hours and go home yeah and it's just hard to get people out so i think it's both that the rent is extremely expensive for them or their costs because their costs are going up and up and up with inflation and just their patrons can't afford to go out so 
I don't know. I don't really see how they could be making money a lot of the time. There was a similar problem. I read an article in the New Yorker uh, about artists in New York, painters, and how they, yeah, the galleries weren't affordable for them because galleries typically take roughly 40% yeah. of your commission on a sale. But so people started turning their houses into galleries and having shows. And yeah. I started doing that a few years ago and it's brilliant. I don't have to pack things up and worry about maybe damage on the way and I get to keep all my profit. And there's, I mean, there's pros and cons to inviting people into yeah. your home that right. you've never met. But uh, we had Laura Simpson with Side Door Access on as a guest and she's found this creative solution to some extent to the the loss of venues by people hosting host concerts. Yeah. I don't know if your show would lend itself well to yeah, that. Yeah, but... I think that's <laughs> so, the issue. So <laughs> actually, um, I'm in another band called Rutabaga. We're like experimental dance metal, like really out there stuff. We get really heavy. Um, and the lead singer threw a show in his house. Um, and we packed the place with like 50 or so people. And somebody in the crowd was saying to uh, Nick, is his name, he's like, hey, man, um, I don't want to alarm you, but your floor started caving in when people were moshing. <laughs> like, yeah. They could uh, feel the floor starting to sag. And he was like, seen videos of that, well, just floors <laughs> falling in at, at parties and stuff like that, because there's so many people there. But no, I agree with you. I don't know if it would. Uh, I, I think. First of all, somebody has to sacrifice their house. Yes. <laughs> Big time. So they have to know that, you know. Their that house is, might not be the same after one of ours. It definitely <laughs> yeah. works very well for folk music. Like, I've played a bunch of house shows, and, you know, it's awesome as a folk musician. It works perfectly for that kind of stuff. But, I mean, if you got a basement, maybe, that you don't give a shit if it's, you know, covered in booze and blood and stuff. This is your <laughs> official <laughs> promo yeah. for that venue to reach That's out. That's our advertisement. <laughs> Who wants to lend up their house? Who wants a bloody basement? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Whoa. Um, you guys might be interested in this, actually. Uh, do you guys know who B.A. Johnston is? Yeah. I don't. He's like this comedy act from Hamilton, Ontario, and what he started doing during COVID, um, and there's a commercial for it. It's really funny. Um, he's basically like, if you pay me some money, I'll go do a show in your driveway. Yeah. And he would do tours did a whole tour. by actually just playing in people's driveways or lawns or like <laughs> he would take the venue to your place and they'd like, you know, get a few people socially distance or whatever. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure he kept that up even afterwards. Like I think he did like three rounds of tours across the country. It was like, a really, he just did it straight, yeah. like basically all of COVID. He just did that. It was a really interesting way of getting around, you know, the whole COVID yeah, thing. Yeah, artists have to be creative problem yeah. solvers. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah well, that's really cool that you're doing that, though. Like, um, I bet it would be weird, though, having people like just in your house like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, it's a lot more low-key than what you guys might be used to for a show, so right. there's been no damage or danger yet, but, <laughs> uh, yeah. A few people stayed a little long yeah. sometimes. Right, <laughs> see, yeah. Those awkward, Harmless, like, though, right. There's one well, still out in the living room right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, there this on the guy couch. just won't leave. He's been here for three weeks, <laughs> yeah. you don't even know his name. <laughs> so when, uh, when does the uh, EP come out? Uh, that's the issue here. We just... Everything just kind of changed on us, but it is going to be, I would say, in April. Yeah. Uh, we don't have an exact date. Mm, we're talking about maybe June now. See, we don't... Oh, yes. We were literally talking about this driving here. <laughs> um, yeah, we think maybe it's Spoonapalooza, actually, the show we mentioned mm, before. That makes we sense. Might, we might yeah. release it. Which I think we, we need more time to, you know... Were you like, talking about how you hoped we wouldn't ask you this question? No, we were, <laughs> I don't know what we were even talking about. We were just... Uh, 
maybe just going over stuff because I was thinking about, I think maybe I just said exactly what I was saying there. I was like, I think we should do it in April. And he's like, are we doing it in June? <laughs> and then <laughs> I all was reminded. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but it's pretty exciting. So this next Spoonapalooza we're doing, it's uh, the Big Dirty Spoonapalooza 2 Electric Boogalooza. Um, nice. And we have some pretty big acts already confirmed for it. Uh, I don't want to out them just yet, but... Mm-hmm. It's going to be pretty exciting. Both nights we have some, some yeah, pretty big. This one's going to top last year's for sure. And oh, yeah, God, so yeah. I guess we'll probably release it then, but we are doing a single release on St. Paddy's Day. Are we? We agreed to it. Okay, this is how. This is how <laughs> it's on the record. Now. All, all of our discussions oh, take place over multiple beers on Friday nights. We so. should do a podcast every time we talk. Yeah, <laughs> so no, we can like, listen back. Yeah, exactly. And remember, so we, could, yeah. we might have a few beers when we talk every yeah. now and then. Yeah. But no, uh, as as far as I uh, remember it, uh, we're gonna release uh, the song we were just speaking about. It's called "Drunks Not Dead" in parentheses. In, in parentheses, and I'm and not, I'm not punk, punk enough. enough. Um, God, I hope you guys have t-shirts at this show. <laughs> yeah, we, we have store-bought shirts and we're terrible salesmen. We've yeah. had these shirts forever. We're like, oh, we got 50 shirts. We're like, we'll sell these in like two seconds. Every show, they're like, Rudy, remember to hawk the shirts. I just totally forget. And they're just like sitting in the corner. We don't got a merch guy. We just like trust that nobody will yeah. <laughs> steal our merch or anything. Uh, we'll buy our merch. Okay, there. I did it on the podcast. Bring, her, bring them to the... The Spoonapalooza. Yeah. Let's see. Gonna we'll have, have to. There. We won't forget them this time. Where can folks uh, buy tickets or find you online? Where's the best place to direct the audience? I believe with uh, this, the St. Paddy's Day show, I think you can buy on the Derby website, I think, because it's part of the market. It's, in the, it's at the Seahorse. Okay. So March 17th at the Seahorse. Um, For Spoonapalooza, you just got to show up. Yeah, and um, show up early because it sold out multiple times the first year. Like, we had to deny people at like 7 p.m. and then 8 30 p.m. Yeah. and then like 11. It, it's like. It was pretty packed right It from was the rotating. Yes. We were very surprised by it. It was like 4 p.m. and we already had 80 people in there, which is more than half the capacity at Gus's. And then by 8 p.m., it's like it was, it was just packed. Like, there was no. You could maybe get in sometimes because. A couple people would trickle out and then you could steal their spots or yeah. something. But yeah. yeah, I would say uh, maybe we'll do advanced this year, but I don't think we will, honestly. I think no, I think because so many different bands are playing that you get so many different audiences like coming mm. in and out. So yeah. I think I think you should just show up and yeah. it's going to be a great time and see how long you last because it's, it's a long haul. Yeah. Yeah. You know, 4 p.m. to 2 a.m. <laughs> Got to drink slow. <laughs> get no those cores, like, what get Craig, the cores Craig taught us. Craig taught us well. It's a marathon, not a race. Yes. That's um, Craig's uh, our, his uh, speech before Music Week every, every year. Music yeah. business. It's and a then, marathon, um, not a race. And then for everything else, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, anywhere you can listen to music, you know. Okay. We'll put all the links in the show notes, but it's nice to say it aloud as well for people that are just listening. We got to start doing TikTok like content as well, because I think a lot of our, we we, we do similar stuff to like you guys do with the heroes, like just weird, funny skits and stuff like that. And I think that it would work well on TikTok. We're just two old grandpas at this point to know <laughs> Do you guys TikTok know any works. good dances? <laughs> no. We'll show you some after this. <laughs> yeah. Okay, all right. Yeah. I like where like this is going, guys. <laughs> well, thanks so much for coming, fellas, and uh, all the best in the future, and yeah, look forward to, to catching the show. Likewise. We appreciate it very much. Thank you very much, guys. Cheers, fellas. Cheers.
Do you feel fired up after that? Ready to roll. <laughs> Ready to get it done. So cool. Yeah, they just... I made the comment too, like, these guys just look cool. So <laughs> maybe you'll find them just walking around being like, that guy looks cool. It's probably TJ. TJ's a big follow too. He kind of stands out. Yeah, he's got great hair. Yeah. Good guys. And uh, yes, Palooza coming up. Yeah, grab your tickets for that or keep your eyes open for when they post those and, and we'll be there. We and can hang out. St. Patty's Day too. Yeah, that's soon. Yeah. Just a few weeks away. Yeah. And, uh, and don't forget to enter that giveaway we mentioned earlier on. Uh, we're just asking you to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. And for a bonus entry, you can review our book on Amazon. And we look forward to hearing what you have to say. Be honest. <laughs> be honest, but you better be nice. Be honest, but five stars. Yeah. Yeah. Well, folks, it's been a pleasure as always. And shoot us a message if you have anything you want to say or any questions or you think that you know someone will be a good guest on the podcast. We're loving the suggestions and just uh, having people reach out to us. So, yeah, keep keep it coming. Thanks for being here. Okay, see ya. Bye, friends. <laughs>